Hey guys, this is the Dak Christian Next Stop Podcast, and I'm just getting in touch with you today to check on you, see how you are. I'm keeping well, thank you, and I thank God for life, I thank God for health, I thank God for all the wonderful things that he does on a daily basis, but then also the things that he's done already, you know, you, you think about his work while he was nerd, you think about the cross of Calvary, you think about dying, you think about defeating the devil and death taking the keys of death and hell and resurrecting and now he's up there in heaven with his father praying for us so actually the work of jesus hasn't stopped and i think it's wonderful so each day i'm just grateful and the more you read the bible the more you see that jesus is doing things that no one else can do you know there's this wonderful scripture in revelations where it talks about um there was a call in heaven who's worthy to open the scroll right to kind of begin the end times so to speak and it's like jesus is the only one who's able to who's worthy to and when you think about such things it just really humbles you and it floors you also lately i've been watching the series on the life of jesus and his disciples and all that i am the chosen i don't know if you've ever seen it i think it's on amazon prime but uh, perhaps there might be other ways other streaming facilities that have it i think as well actually they have their own app and perhaps it's available in the app so maybe get it that way and i think you can support them as well doing that and every time i watch it i just feel this longing for god and i think that's i have to say it's a beautiful feeling to want god and i would encourage everyone yeah search for that feeling you know the way some people search for highs yeah search for search for the high of encountering God. And that's actually what I want to talk about today. So we've been talking a lot lately about this idea of encounters and I want to approach it now from a, a slightly different angle, but then, you know, to to dive deeper into it as it is, it is deep. So I want to begin with uh, Romans 1 verse 16. We talked about this in the last bonus episode. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation to all that believe, both the Jew and the Greek. Then we spoke about Romans 1 verse 1. I, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel. So we find that in those two scriptures, we learn two things. First of all, don't be ashamed of the gospel. But then also, the gospel is something that you get separated to. You get separated to before you are born, but then also as you give your life to Christ, you get separated more and more and more. So as you get saved, you get separated. And as you continue to get saved, you get separated more and more. Um, So based on the fact that you're not saved once and forever saved, you have to maintain that salvation. Okay, so then we we start uh, this episode then. So what is faith? Well, in Hebrews 11 verse 1, we know faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith is not necessarily something that you can hold on to, but you can see the effects of it. So we know further down in that scripture, um, it's described how through faith, the world that we see today was created through the word of God. So from nothing, something came. So there was an act of faith. There was a, a voice of faith that we couldn't quite see, but we can see the effect. You can't quite hold, but you can see the effect. I guess to give it a scientific kind of bent, it's like the wind. The wind blows and you hear it and you feel it, but you can't quite hold it. 
Anyways, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So that's Romans 10 verse 7. Uh, the point there being that it's often a voice that you have to hear, the voice of God. And that's the source of faith. No other source. You have to hear God. Let me put it a different way. Faith is best coming by hearing. I know for some, and I, I talked about this at some point before, it would be lovely if we could see Jesus. But faith based on sight is kind of incomplete. It is kind of anemic, right? Faith based on just hearing this inner voice speaking to you, compelling you, pushing you, not pushing you hard, just gently, and convincing you, convicting you. And if you give in to that voice, that's faith. Because Jesus says it himself, blessed are those who believe not having seen. It's, it's more beneficial. Okay, then we, we look at Ephesians 2 verse 8. So by grace are you saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. So our salvation, this gospel that is the power of God unto salvation, it comes by the grace of God, but through faith. So faith really is an integral part of the gospel. We don't see it. We just, we see the effect. We don't see it, but we see the effect. This power to save is, is the result. But the faith that is underneath it, it's, it's not really visible in that sense, but it's necessary. And it's based on what you hear. So then we continue. So what is an encounter? Well, an encounter with God is anything that comes from God, intending to reveal God to us. It's something that seeks to introduce us to God, introduce us to his plans, introduce us to his intentions for us, but then also for the world. Uh, the purpose really is to bring us to him. The purpose is to align us to him, but also it's, as we've discussed, to separate us to him from the world and to him. A number of reasons also why we have encounters with God, particularly as Christians, it's to bring us to a place of rest, right? So we, we talk about the prodigal son. So he was out in the field. This is the older son towards the end of the story. He was returning back home. He could hear the music. He could hear the celebrations. And he's like, what's going on? There was a feast going on. Who was this feast for? And the fact of it is, although that feast had been thrown for the younger son, it was also for him because he was in the family. When there's a feast prepared, when God prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies, it's not just for one Christian. It's for every Christian who is nearby to take part in. Rejoice with them that rejoice, right? So if there's a feast going on, it's for everyone to take part in. It's a family occasion. Other reasons why encounters happen, well, they happen so that the glory of God is praised. So in Ephesians 1, 6, 12, and 14, we see it, that we are to be to the praise of his glory. So when God encounters us, changes our lives, reaches us, it's so that we can be to the praise of his glory. We also know that uh, another reason why God encounters us, changes our lives, and wants to use us is because he wants the whole earth to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. So this is Habakkuk 2.14. So there's a bunch of different reasons. Another reason why, for instance, God would encounter us, would, would you know, intend a, a meeting with us is so that um, to, to, to put in us the right spirits, the right attitude that would favor his righteous cause. So if the purpose of an encounter is to tell you about God's intentions and his plans, right then his plan is to further his righteous cause your will be done right your will be done on earth as in heaven right so when god is showing us this is my righteous cause then it's like 
I'm, I'm letting you know this because I want you to favor my righteous cause. And that scripture, I believe, can be found in Psalms 37 verse 25. I can actually just check here to be 100% make sure that I'm uh, given legit information. It's actually the other way. It's 35:27. So um, you can find that in Psalms 35:27. An encounter with God will include at least one voice. It would include your name or identity, so something to identify you. It would include information about your actions, information about who he is and his actions, but then a pathway for you to get to him or get to the place where he wants you to be. And when I say a voice, uh, this brings us back to faith. So if I say Jesus loves you to somebody, uh, the thing that would give them faith is not my voice. It's the voice they hear behind my voice, either at the same time as I'm speaking or after. But it's important for them to listen to that voice and to act on that voice, right? Because faith comes by hearing. Okay, so they have to hear and then hear it by the word of God. You have to hear God's word, not my word. You hear my word, but then there's an extra additional word that is said to you in your head, in your mind, in your heart, either as I'm speaking or afterwards. So an encounter with God includes at least one voice. If God is not speaking to you directly himself, you will do it through somebody first time, but then there's an additional voice. Um, examples of encounters then. Encounters come in large and small sizes. As I said, someone says, God bless you. Someone says to you, I'm going to church. Someone says to you, Jesus loves you. Um, you going to church, you reading your Bible, you doing your quiet time Bible study, talking to somebody about something you read in the Bible. All of those are encounters with God. They are encounters with God, not necessarily because you are talking about God. It's because there is a voice as you are talking about God that is heard. And that voice is heard. It's just about, will you attune to it? Will you listen to it? We talked about in one of the last episodes, the responsibility of hearing, right? You hear, you listen, and then you take action, right? You give it a chance, be willing, be obedient, take action. There's a responsibility to hear. So if you're, in a, if you're a church attender and you're in a church WhatsApp group or something like that, and someone posts, oh, there's a Bible study tonight, that's an encounter with God. It's an encounter with God because you see that and God is saying something to you in that moment about that message. Anything that intends to reveal God to us, anything that seeks to introduce us to God, his plans, his intentions for us is an encounter with God. So as you see that message come in, there's night vigil, there's Bible study, you have an option, you delete it, your marker's read, or you say, actually, hold on, I'm going to try and make time for this. Now, if you can't, so be it. But there is a voice that speaks, and that voice is what makes it an encounter with God. It's not the voice of the person who typed the message. It's the voice behind that came at the same time they typed that message or after. So faith is not about who's speaking to you. It is the voice you hear after whoever speaks is done. It must be Jesus. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So a number of things then to be aware of. The source of faith is God. He's the author and finisher of our faith. What is said, the voice is heard. What was heard and who was heard. So then if, if we 
look at what the gospel is. So the gospel of Jesus, the gospel of God is about Jesus at the heart of it. And it includes his message, his works, his birth, his miracles, his lessons, his messages, his teachings, his words, his actions, even in his death and in his resurrection. And then in the works that he still does till this day. Because if the gospel is the works of Jesus and he's still working in you and me, then that is included in the gospel. It's not written in the Bible. It's not written in a book, what God is doing in our hearts and in our minds. But it's written in heaven and records are being kept. That's the gospel. Okay, so the gospel is not only the positive encounters we have with God. Because in the Bible, there's a lot of encounters that people had that were not positive, but they are part. They are part of the story, the works of Jesus. So if you get that WhatsApp message and you you delete it, you ignore it, you mark it as read, and then you actually forget about it, that there was actually Bible study and all that, that is part of what God is doing in your life. Just because you did not engage with it in a positive way does not necessarily negate that it was an encounter. And it is part of the works of Jesus in your life. Now we're going to take this further. So um, that Romans 1.16, I'm, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. So it's like when you see this gospel, when you have this encounter, you know, when you get this prompt, when you hear that voice, don't be ashamed of it. Embrace it. Right? That, that's what Paul is getting at. On one hand, it's like, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. So... You know, the whole world is looking at me, thinking I'm some madman, you know, lost my mind. The, the Pharisees who used to be my friends, who I was going around, you know, killing Christians for. Um, and they're probably thinking, what is up with this Saul lad, man? And now he's changed his name to Paul, right? They, they probably looked down on him, but he's like, I'm not ashamed. And I, I, I want us to understand that when we have an encounter... There are two options. We engage or we disengage. We embrace or we are ashamed. You know the way when you have that family member or that friend who kind of cramps your style, right? And they come in the room or they come into somewhere you are and you just kind of try and make yourself scarce. Yeah, that's what being ashamed looks like. Well, Paul is saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. So when you see the gospel happening around you, engage. When Jesus speaks to you, engage. When Jesus, you notice, is speaking to someone, engage. Encourage the gospel. Create encounters. Let God use you to create an encounter with somebody. Embrace the gospel, the totality of it. That's really the message here. So, more proof that the gospel continues well. We know that Jesus is in heaven right now, beside his Father, interceding for the saints, praying for us, saying, Lord, I died for them. Right, give him a chance, show your mercy. Even in the book of Revelations, this is years after Jesus had died and you know gone back to heaven, he appeared, Jesus appeared to the Apostle John in Patmos. Yeah, that's that's the gospel. It is part of the gospel. Um, and then we've we've heard of people and testimonies of people who had visions and dreams and encounters with Jesus, with the divine. When I say divine, I mean God. I don't mean not. I don't mean anything else. Let's be clear. Um, and sometimes these are people who haven't even heard about Jesus. They're like, "Oh, Jesus appeared to me. He, he saved me. 
These are people who watch one program, one Christian program, you know, living in Muslim countries or, or countries where Christianity is not the majority religion. And they just have one word, one, one glimpse. Next thing they go to bed, next thing they're saying, I met Jesus. The gospel continues till this day and it's continuing in you. And you always have a choice. Embrace or be ashamed. That is the sum total of every encounter. Embrace or be ashamed. So now we're going to go deeper. <laughs> so um, Ephesians 2 verse 20 talks about how our lives, you know, this gospel that's working out in our lives is built on the foundation of the prophets and the apostles. And of course, Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. So we are now, I guess in some, if you go with the metaphor, part of the household of faith, the family of God. Now, if you look at a few more scriptures, Acts 4.11, this is the Apostle Peter talking. He talks about how this stone, Jesus Christ, whom you all rejected, is now the chief cornerstone. And there is no other name by which anyone can be saved except the name of Jesus. He says something similar as well in his own self-titled book, 1 Peter 2.6-8. I might just open that one. So today I'm reading from the English Standard Version. I like I like it. I like to have a bunch of different uh, versions. My favorite is King James. Um, but for today, I'm reading from um, the English Standard Version. And then obviously, if you have your uh, Bible app, you can access a bunch of different ones. Um, Amplified Classic AMPC is a beautiful one as well. Um, then actually one that I came across lately was this one called Darby, D-A-R-B-Y. Um, it's like a kind of old English kind of one. And yeah, it's, it's interesting anyways. Anyways, I'll just read this. So, um, 1 Peter 2, 6-8, For it stands in scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. There's a lot there and we'll just take it gently. There's also Matthew 16 verse 17 and we'll just uh, quickly read that as well. Jesus replies to Simon Peter when he was asking who do people say I am and Simon replied in verse 16, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And in verse 17, Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And it continues, 18, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Right, so a bunch of different things. Now, these scriptures, this, this idea of Jesus as a, a rock, the chief cornerstone, comes from Isaiah 28, 16. And in that, God was speaking through Isaiah saying, well, look, I, I have laid in Zion, uh, in the heart of my kingdom, in the heart of the gospel, a stone, a precious stone. Um, and anyone who believes in him will not be ashamed. So this rock, uh, it, it works in two ways. It's on one hand, something you believe in and you're not ashamed, or it's something that you come across and you are ashamed. It's something that you come across and you embrace it or it's something that you come across and it's in your way 
examples of people who came across the rock, across Jesus, and it was in their way were the Pharisees, people who did not believe. It's like, what this thing is, what this man is saying and what he's asking, and I take offense, actually. I take offense. But then there are some people who came across it and they're like, no, this is life. This is life here. An example is uh, Bartimaeus, the man who was healed from his blindness. He heard Jesus was coming and he shouted. People were telling him, keep your mouth shut. And he's like, no, (laughs) no, I'm not ashamed, man. I'm going to shout. There's the woman with the issue of blood who was healed from that issue of blood. And despite her situation, all the things that were, you know, were going on in her life, in some senses, she shouldn't have been out because she was sick. But she braved it. A woman, she braved it. Braved it through the crowd and touched the hem of his garment. She's like, I'm embracing this. No, I'm not missing this. I'm taking this on. And, and this is what I'm saying. You come across this rock and you either take offense or you embrace it. You come across the gospel and you're either ashamed or like Paul, you're not ashamed. And that's really what I'm boiling down this series. Um, I'm calling it a series, but these few episodes and encounter the God, it, it, it really started from feasts and family, the last episodes of family matters. But then um, we had then in search of God's will, we have feasts and family too. And now I guess this episode and really what it boils down to is you have an encounter with God and they come in so many shapes and sizes, engage with it. Please don't push it away. Because every time you have an encounter with God, God is trying to reintroduce you to Him. If you're not a Christian, He's trying to introduce you to Him. If you are a Christian, He's trying to reintroduce. He's trying to align you with Him or realign. He's trying to separate you to Him or to separate you more. So, and the reason why I'm using these words, these, these choices of words, is found in Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation to those that believe. Therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. So from faith to faith. There's a basis of faith and then it continues to faith. The righteousness of God is revealed, revealed more and more. Not that you're getting more righteous because you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So God can't get more righteous, but the righteousness is revealed more and more. But your faith is increasing. Now, if we look at the totality of that Romans 1.16, it's a power of God unto salvation. God is not trying to save you and then, okay, see you, bro. Good luck. No, no. He wants you to remain saved. If you've only been saved and you haven't had any encounter with God since, you are not saved because you must continue to remain saved. And how you continue to remain saved is you encounter the gospel. So I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God unto salvation. So the gospel is God's power geared towards salvation. Another way to think of it is to remain saved, more gospel, more saving. More gospel, more saving. More gospel, more saved. So more encounters with God, you're more saved more encounters with God, you continue to remain saved. More encounters with God, you continue to remain saved. I I don't necessarily mean you're more saved, I just mean you remain saved. Salvation, and salvation that remains, depends on encounters, and encounters that continue to happen. And those encounters, each and every one of them, ideally, 
should be accepted and embraced. Okay, I just went silent there a little bit, uh, trying to catch my breath, but then also to, to reflect, because when I think of all of this that I'm saying, it applies to me as well. Encounters with God, they reveal who you are. We, we've talked about how they reveal who God is. Right, so when Paul encountered Jesus on the way to Damascus, Jesus said, this is who I am, Jesus of Nazareth, who you persecute. If you keep doing it, it won't go well for you. Right, And then in the subsequent encounters, he met Ananias, who healed his eyes, but then also imparted the Holy Spirit onto him. Right, So in those encounters, he got to know who he was, and then who Jesus is, and then who Jesus wants him to be. So through that coming in of the Holy Spirit, he got to see even more of Jesus. Through that encounter with Jesus, he saw, he heard, and he saw. So each encounter with God reveals who we are. We also give the example of the burning bush, and I think in chapter 3 and 4, God refers to, well, those people who are chasing you um, in Egypt, and they're, they're long dead now, they're not there anymore. The point being, um, I know who you are and what you've done. So every encounter with God seeks to reveal who we are. Now. Another way to really think of this is when we have an encounter with God and we embrace it, that shows who we are. Now, nobody's destined for righteousness and nobody's destined for sin. Nobody's destined for heaven or destined for hell. It's just the actions you take. You, you choose the actions you want to choose and you do them. And that's up to you. There is no, you're destined to sin and destined for righteousness. None of that. Your righteousness is a filthy rag. You're not destined for God's righteousness. You have to work towards it. You have to do it. You see the path of righteousness, say, Lord, lead me. I'll follow you. Yeah. And as you go down the path of righteousness, you're more separated to God. But if you decide to, well, let me not say decide. If, if, if a temptation comes and you fall for it, then you have to get back on the horse and, and start going again. You repent and move on. So it's not once saved and forever saved, right? Um, and it's not once righteous and forever righteous, and it's not your destined. It's literally the actions you take on a daily basis. At the end, there's a sum total, and the sum total is where you end up. Are you righteous? Are you sinful? Are you in heaven? Are you in hell? Okay. Um, now that goes deeper. That goes deeper, certainly. Uh, but that's a simple way to understand it. Um, I guess I will go into it um, uh, uh, shortly. So you have this idea then that you encounter God, it reveals who you are. So when you accept and you embrace the rock, right, it shows, okay, this is who you are. You're the type that embraces the rock. But when you take offense, when you disobey the voice you hear, not the voice of the person, if it's me saying God bless you, not my voice, but the, the voice that speaks to you inside, when you ignore that, when you disobey that, that's also showing, revealing who you are. And that's an encounter. So it's funny, an encounter works to reveal who God is, but then also who you are. And it's like an update. An encounter with God is like a software update that you get on your phone for your banking app or for your, your camera or something like that to improve it. So every time you have an encounter with God, it updates on the last. 
So God is like, okay, well, that thing I uh, we were talking about, uh, like, where are you on that? And it's like, well, actually, I haven't looked at it yet. So sorry. What do you learn from that? Well, it tells you who you are. But then in that conversation, in that encounter, God is also referring and pointing to where he wants you to be, his plans for you, his intentions. So I want us to really see this, these ideas of this idea of an encounter. It's deep. It's, it's layered. It, you know, you want to know who you are? What have you done recently with something that God told you to do? What have you done recently with something that God revealed to you about you? That'll tell you who you are. Okay, so we continue then. So we talked about this idea that uh, we do not meet God by chance, um, but rather, you know, because he's, he's the all-powerful, all-knowing, almighty God, if we meet him, it's because he wanted to be met. And this applies both for unbelievers and believers. Uh, so we know in Proverbs 15, verse 3, God's eyes and all. We know in Ecclesiastes 9, verse 11, time and chance happens to all, but then actually we know that time is in God's hands in Psalms 31 verse 15 and then we know that if God is sovereign he's not a slave to chance in fact chance the idea of chance is something that he has created it works for him to his advantage for his purpose we call it chance <laughs> it's just God's plan and um, so actually God happens to us all we know that God is in the past present and future in Revelations 4 verse 8 he's the God who was and is and is to come we know as well that in Romans 9 verse 10 to 13 that God calls us, he elects, uh, not based on anything we've done, whether we are born or not, it's just his choice. We know in Philippians 2 verse 13 that God works in Christians to will and to do. Anybody that tries to search for God, you know, that voice you hear, God is the author and finisher of our fate, that voice that authors fate to will and to do. So anytime you search for God, <laughs> it's not you, it's God. Um, the point being, the point being that no encounter with God is by chance. No, intended by him. But then comes again to this whole point. Are you going to embrace? Are you going to be ashamed? Are you going to accept it? Are you going to take offense? And Paul puts it, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Isaiah put it as well. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Um, uh, when Peter was talking about uh, Acts 4, 11 to 12, by no other name can anyone be saved. Essentially, he's saying you must encounter the rock and you must be given the chance to take offense or not take offense. You must be given the chance to embrace or be ashamed. Everybody. And some people might say, um, and I, I was I was, I was, was in this a little while trying to, to understand this. Some people might say, well, I never heard about Jesus. You know, when, when they die and like, well, why am I not going to heaven? I never heard about Jesus. And Romans 1 verse 20, um, really goes into that. It's like, <laughs> if you look at creation, if you look around you, the skies, heavens, the earth, the trees, the flowers, if you see all that and you somehow say, you know, God didn't reveal himself to me. And, and that's not to say that God didn't. That's not to say someone didn't say Jesus loves you. You know, God bless you. But let's say this is somebody in some remote part of the world that no one ever reached. Well, the question is, well, what about what you saw? What about what you heard? What about when you looked at the flowers? It's not necessarily the flowers that's giving you faith, but it's the voice you hear as you look at the flower. After you've looked at the flower. Ah, it's hidden now, right? That's faith. And by faith, 
through God's grace we are saved. But we need to show it. And by grace, through the faith that God puts in us, tries to give us through encounters, we are saved. Let me actually read Romans 1.20. It's a beautiful verse. It clarifies a lot. And, and God bless Paul, you know, and those in heaven now and, and all that, but he's changed so many lives and my life as well. Um, just clarified so much. Clarified so much. Anyways, Romans 1.20 talks about how well, let's read from 19. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. He just says it there, says it as it is. The point being, if you come out of this earth saying, I never knew God, it's like, that's on you. That's on you. And that is a hard word to hear. I mean, uh, Psalm 19 talks about how the heavens... Let me open that as well. I'm really loving opening these scriptures and reading them. You know, before I do the the episodes, I load up on all the scriptures. So I kind of know what I'm talking about and I just kind of say them. Um, but then sometimes you actually just want to read them. Um, so, Psalm 19 verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words, whose voice is not heard. Whew. Whew. There is no speech, nor are there words, whose voice is not heard. If you're not here, and that's on you, you have a responsibility when you hear. Okay, let me bring this to a, a close. When you encounter the rock, uh, you're faced with two possibilities. You're either unashamed, you're saved, and you accept. Or, you're ashamed, you take offense, and you push the rock out of the way. When you come across the rock, you either embrace it, or you look at it as if it's in your way. But the fact of it is, if you're doing the gospel, it's God's will, not your will. So it's not in your way. If it's in your way, then you're doing your own thing. But if, if you understand the gospel, that Jesus is at the center of it, at the, the heart of it, the cornerstone, the foundation of it is Jesus, right? Then you embrace it. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except by me. Well, Jesus is the way to the Father, but then also you will pass him on the way to hell. Hard words. And I don't mean to be hard in that way. Um, let me actually read something from First Peter. And we touched on this. Um, it talks about the disobedience that people are destined to. So remember I said nobody's destined for righteousness, destined for sin. Nobody's destined for heaven or destined for hell. It's all down to the choices you make. Now God knows who's going to end up in heaven. God knows who's going to end up in hell. God knows the outcome of every encounter. But he still puts himself out there. It's up to you to take it up. Right? Jesus is walking by where the woman with the issue of blood would be. Jesus is walking by where Bartimaeus, who used to be blind, would be. It's up to them to call out. It's up to them to reach. God will do his part. <laughs> it's just you and I. We have to do ours. So um, in 1 Peter 2 verse 8, uh, it talks about here, And a stone of stumbling and the rock of offense, they stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Uh, I think that's an interesting one. Um, so if nobody's destined to sin, um, why 
Why does Peter say like they were destined to do? They stumble like they were destined to do. Um, well, there are some people. There are just some people. It's just their nature. It's just their nature. A good example of this is Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, or the leader of Egypt, when the Israelites um, were there. And God has sent Moses and said to him, okay, go to Pharaoh and tell him, you need to let my people go. And Pharaoh, every single time, was adamant. No. This was a stubborn man. And there's a, there's a wonderful scripture in Exodus 9.16 that goes into this. And it says, But for this purpose I have raised you up to show you my power, so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. So remember, we talk about encounters, and one of the purposes of encounters is that the glory of God is praised, but then also the knowledge of the glory of God fills the earth. That's what's going on here. For this purpose, I have raised you up and put you here. Now, this is deep. In, in private moments, uh, as part of that Christian Next, uh, we've talked on, on occasion about why, why, why did Jesus have to come when he came? You know, there's a lot of different things because it was years and years and years since Isaiah and, and all these prophets when the when the prophecies were given, like, why that time? And it's like a, a lot of different things had to line up. You, you had to have somebody from this lineage and somebody from that lineage. And it had to be a virgin and it had to be this and that. And right. And then Jesus came. So God has a plan. He's aware of this. He's, he doesn't do things by chance. We, we, we've come up with this word chance. But chance is really just what God is doing that we don't understand. So he took Mary, he took Joseph and put them at that place. And then Jesus came. Now, same with Pharaoh. For this purpose, I raised you up. Essentially he's saying, I want to be glorified. I want this Red Sea thing that will happen to be never forgotten. So I'm going to put the most stubborn person I can find in charge in that very year, in that very time. So that when Moses comes and says, let my people go, the person will say no. It's even possible that the way the children of Israel had to cross the Red Sea, they, if they weren't being chased by Pharaoh, they probably would have found some other way to do it, just hire some boats and just gradually transport everyone across. And then it's not the big story that it is today but for God's glory to be praised, for God's glory to be magnified, God put him there. There are some people who are destined for disobedience. God knows them. And he takes them and he puts them. Now they have a choice and Pharaoh had a choice. Accept or take offense. What God? What God would tell me what to do? No. Well, he took offense and he was destroyed for that. The point being, every encounter with God God knows something about us. He's not saying, but he knows. But he's given us a chance. Accept or decline. Be unashamed or be ashamed. It's up to you. But whatever you do, my name will be glorified. That's for sure. God is inviting us. He has this feast, this banquet, this celebration, and he wants us to be a part of it. He wants to give us rest from this world. He wants to separate us to himself. He wants to bring us to the table. 
in the presence of our enemies. Why the table in the presence of the enemies? Because if God is there and the enemies are there, they're not going to touch you. So you're just going to be enjoying and they're just there looking at you, thinking, okay, when God goes, we'll get him. God ain't going nowhere. God is with you. He wants to give you rest. And on that table, there's food, there's oil for your hair. And if you think of it, when Jesus' feet was anointed, right, he had to be sitting or standing. He had to be in one place. So the point of it is there's this table that God has prepared for you and you're not running anymore from anybody. You're sitting, you're stationary, and it's been done. It's like when someone is doing someone's hair in the salon, they have to sit, right? You have to stay in the one place. So in that table, you have rest. You're not worried. Your cup overflows and it's all free, paid for by Jesus Christ. Some people are destined to disobey, but not because it's their destiny. It's just because it's the choice that they will always make. It's just who they are. And Peter understood that. It's just who they are. Is that who you are? God is calling to you. He wants to encounter you. He wants you to encounter him. He wants you to know him. He wants you to know who you are. And he wants you to go where he wants you to be. Please embrace. Please embrace. Please embrace him. Okay. So this has been the That Christian Next Door podcast. We are available on www.thatchristiannextdoor.com. And on our websites, there's a bunch of resources that will bless you. There's resources for those who don't know Jesus, for those who know Jesus, and for those who are a little bit more advanced, so to speak. There's also a place for the salvation prayer if you would like to give your life to Christ. Jesus loves you. Yes, I did it. You just had an encounter there. (laughs) God bless you.